We all like to be recognized for what we do, but what kind of award gives you the incentive to work even harder? If you think it has to include money, think again. Hello again, I'm Warren Almy, and this is How the World Works, a podcast from the UCLA Anderson School of Management. Now, Wikipedia, NASA, and public schools they're very different institutions, but they all give out awards in hopes of motivating editors and engineers and students to increase and improve their performance. And sometimes that works, but sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes awards even backfire. Assistant Professor Jana Galus is co-author of Honors Versus Money, The Economics of Awards, published with Oxford University Press. Professor, welcome. Thank you very much, Warren. It's a pleasure to be here. Your research predates COVID. However, it presents an example of a lot of things that are threatened by restrictions on social interaction. So tell us first about your research at Wikipedia. What were you asked to look for and what did you find? Yeah, um, that's a great question how we should rethink what we know in this current day and age. Um, but my research really started out with this interest in understanding the richness of human motivations that would also drive us when we work. I was particularly interested in public goods contributions as well as knowledge work. So public goods contributions would be something like um, contributing to Wikipedia. That is also a knowledge-based work. So that's why the Wikipedia context was particularly suitable for my interests. But in general, these interests, public goods contributions and knowledge work are motivated also from the insight that, well, this is where standard economic incentives really reach their limitations because um, it's very difficult to specify in advance what you expect and what type of behavior is needed for ultimate success of the work collaboration. Given those, and even if you were able to write a perfect contract about which monetary incentives are going to be given, you still have this challenge of risking to undermine people's inherent so-called intrinsic motivations, the joy, the fun of contributing to a public good or of working on producing knowledge. Undermined when they don't get the award? Oh, it's actually, it could even be undermined by getting money, you know. Um, so when somebody volunteers, for example, and you start paying them money, you risk on the one hand crowding out their existing motivations to engage in this pro-social behavior. That's actually something that's been looked at more by psychologists who have suggested that sometimes this can lead people to attribute their former behavior to the existence of this, the monetary, notably incentive, and less to their inherent desire to be pro-social. The other type of crowding out that has received um, support in the literature is um, image motivation crowding out, right? You can see that quite clearly when somebody does contribute to a public good, does engage in pro-social behavior, and all of a sudden is getting paid for doing so, the social image benefit that the person would normally get is kind of diluted. It's no longer clear to others why the person was doing it to begin with, right? Anyway, so I was really intrigued by these limitations of so-called standard economic um, incentives. And by that, we mean mostly monetary payments. 
And that prompted me to think about which other incentives we may have at our disposal to keep, uphold and preserve people's existing motivations, ideally even um, further enhance those motivations where monetary incentives are of limited use. And that context was provided by Wikipedia. Uh, so I was very interested in studying the Wikipedia community. You know, there are millions of volunteers who spend a lot of time contributing. They may edit articles. They may engage in behind-the-scenes discussions about the content creation, even discussions about rules, establishing rules for the community, and so on. And I've been following that with a lot of interest, always wondering, you know, what motivates those people to engage in that sort of behavior. Now, there is one added benefit of studying this community, specifically when my interest is in studying symbolic incentives, and that is that people on Wikipedia tend to operate under pseudonyms. So I might be on Wikipedia Economist 123. You would not know that my name is Jana Gallus. And so that as an economist and with my background in showing the effects of purely symbolic recognition was such an important uh, finding also offered such a great opportunity because this is one of the few instances in life uh, where you can study an award that is purely symbolic. So that will have no um, material implications, no career-related benefits for the recipient. And so if I then find that even such a purely symbolic award has significant effects on people's behavior, this is probably the best evidence we can get in the field to know that even purely symbolic social recognition can work. This is like saying all other things equal, and they really are. Yeah, that's a great point, which is um, this all other things equal. That comes from the experimental design that I then used. So basically to describe the experiment in a nutshell, what I did is each month I would extract the list of the previous month's newcomers because newcomer retention is really the biggest challenge for Wikipedia, one of the biggest challenges that Wikipedia faces. So I would extract who were the previous month's newcomers, and then I would apply some rules-based screening process just to make sure that there wouldn't be any vandals or so in my final study sample, and, and no firm accounts, no so-called sock puppets, secondary accounts, and so on. And then after that filtering process, I would have my final sample of potential award recipients. And from that final sample, about 350, 300 each month, I would randomly assign half of them to the treatment group who would get, and I'll describe that in a moment, the award, and half of them would randomly end up in the control group who would not get this award. And that is the all other things held equal because there is no way how those two groups differ except for that one group randomly happened to get this award and the other didn't. So if after I give the award, I observe that those groups meaningfully differ statistically in a statistically significant way, if their behavior differs, if the retention rates differ, then this can only be because of this random award bestowal. All other things have been held equal because the award was randomly assigned. And that's very hard to do usually in the field because award-giving bodies tend to be reluctant to randomize who from the finalists should get the award. And believe me, I've tried to convince many an award-giver and jury, but I have not been successful so far. So what I did on Wikipedia, I 
got in touch with the community of Wikipedians, with these established editors. And I was really lucky that several um, very highly esteemed editors found this idea worthwhile investigating because they struggled with newcomer retention. And this was a very promising option to see whether recognition through an award system might work. And then I set up an award page on Wikipedia that's still visible today, um, which was the Edelweiss Award. Edelweiss is the national symbol of Switzerland, and I actually run this with the Swiss community of Wikipedians. And I had those high status, if you will, Wikipedians on my official award jury and their, their pseudonyms were included on this award page. And on that award page too, I would describe the award's purpose and also have each month sort of a hall of fame of this month's award winners and their pseudonyms were inserted there. At the same time, I also had a template that I posted of this award with, you know, a flower symbol and, and a laurel around it. I, I then designed that award and that award would also be posted on the recipient's personal user pages. That's what it's called on Wikipedia. Every contributor with a pseudonym has a given user page and a talk page where others can contact that user. And so I would post that award symbol also on their personal profile page on Wikipedia. And that's what the award was. So did they share these results then with each other, even though they're pseudonymous and don't uh, really know who each other are? So in the sample of newcomers that was not shared, actually the award was much less visible than recipients might have assumed because there are you know, millions of Wikipedia pages, and this award page was one of them. It was nicely designed, but there's basically zero chance that you find this award page without me giving you the award. So it's nice in the sense that the control group was unaware of the award's existence. But once the recipient got the award and some of them are in touch with, how shall I say, longer time editors, so so more senior editors, for example, because they were part of a mentoring scheme. And so some of the newcomers I studied were part of such a mentoring scheme. And what they did is they turned around, they got this award and they contacted their mentor and thanked their mentor for the mentorship. And those are effects that I cannot capture in the quantitative data that I had looked at. Um, I can see it qualitatively uh, follow those posts. And it's really, it's is that a word, heartwarming, where you see these potential positive spillover effects or positive externalities on third parties. In this case, the mentor. Some might argue, well, if you find positive effects on the recipients, we should keep in mind that perhaps non-recipients are discouraged, right? We have to evaluate that going forward too. It's an important question. But in this case, it really depends on the design of an award scheme. And in this case, there's even some indicative evidence that it might even have positive spillover effects. Sociologists call this basking in reflected glory, or it's a version of this, right, where somebody else receives the honor. But if you imagine your mentee gets an award, this is probably even more motivating than you yourself getting the award, right? So here we have some first indications that these awards can even have positive effects. What about uh, places where there isn't a perfect sample, uh, as there was with uh, Wikipedia? I know you did some work with NASA, where they have a hierarchical structure, uh, which is really quite different from uh, Wikipedia. 
Yes, and you exactly got quite um, at a central point of the complementarity of these two projects. As you said, NASA is highly hierarchical. It's probably one of the canonical hierarchical organizations that are out there. And that was part of the fascination about this project. Very different from the Wikipedia context. However, as is the case for many organizations, so NASA too seeks to encourage so-called crowd-based innovation. On the one hand, externally, where they host these contests that anybody can contribute to, but also, and that is now the context I'm focusing on, internally, where they have a crowd innovation platform that their civil servants, their employees, as well as contractors can become active on. And this is something that you can observe many, many organizations now try to tap into the power of the crowd and adopt these internal crowdsourcing platform solutions. One long-standing question here is how can you get the ball rolling? How can you encourage your employees to engage with such a platform? And here you are faced with a problem that many platforms face, which is this chicken and egg problem. You need to have content providers in order to attract content consumers or even just people who read it. So you basically need to have some people who put out problems there and then others who look at those problems and provide solutions. It is a challenge. How do you get it going? And how do you do so specifically when this platform now seeks to encourage this peer-to-peer -peer approach to problem solving when your organizational history is rooted in hierarchy, right? Not peer-to-peer, -peer, but actually top-down decision-making as well as cloistered decision-makings where innovation takes place within centers and not so much collaboration happens across the agency. And so what we then did is we said, let's study different forms of recognition in this context. Our goal, again, was to encourage engagement with a platform, specifically to encourage employees and contractors to jump through all the hoops and even log back in, which is more difficult than it is for other platforms such as Facebook. They go out of their way in order to make it the most seamless and the easiest possible for you to log in and actually you stay logged in ideally. But for in particular governmental organization, there are security protocols. So even that first step is quite cumbersome and effort and requires effort. Now, the field partners saw me present my Wikipedia paper at MIT and were extremely interested by the results. And then we said, okay, in this context, what we'll do is we're going to study uh, what happens when we promise recognition. So that's a difference to the Wikipedia context. In the NASA context, we announce that they can get recognition and we vary experimentally for those who are in the recognition treatment groups, whether this is going to be hierarchical, top-down managerial recognition, meaning you'll be recognized in front of your manager and in front of management, or whether this is going to be peer-to-peer -peer recognition, which is congruent with this aspirational culture of peer-to-peer problem-solving on the innovation platform. And there are nuances. There are two subgroups in the peer-to-peer -peer recognition treatment, which is on the one hand, it would be local, offline, um, through a pin that your local peers would see, as well as a small certificate that you could put on your cubicle wall. 
versus online digital recognition that would be visible on the NASA at work. That's the innovation platform on a NASA website that others could see. So in a nutshell, now to describe the experimental design, it's a little bit hard to do so just verbally, but the design is people with an account get an email and that email is either a control group, either just like a friendly invitation to be active on the platform. But if they in the treatment group, they will either get the managerial recognition incentive, telling them that they'll be recognized in front of management, or the peer recognition treatment, telling them that either they'll get this localized PIN or if they are in the other peer recognition group, that they'll get a digital form of peer recognition. And what we find is that the peer-to-peer recognition is not on average, we don't find evidence for its effectiveness, but the incentive that is congruent with NASA's established culture of hierarchical managerial recognition has a statistically significant effect and it actually increases the odds of returning to the platform. Tell us a little bit, if you will, about what you discovered with regard to public schools, because there, unlike what you found in the other instances, it turned out that the awards had a tendency to backfire. Yes, yes. This was um, another project that gets me very excited when I talk about it. (laughs) Um, So this is joint work with Carly Robinson, a PhD student at the Harvard Kennedy School, Monica Lee, a PhD student at Stanford, and Todd Rogers, a professor at the Harvard Kennedy School. And this project now, the school's project, focuses on school attendance, which is really important, right? You can't really convey and move the needle much on student outcomes if students aren't even in school, right? Of course, because so many people can't go to school. Yes, so that's a good point indeed. So attendance perhaps now more than ever, we see the importance of attendance. And in fact, also public policymakers um, have put a strong emphasis on trying to encourage attendance. There's even a bill in, in California regulations that encourage administrators at schools to provide recognition for students who show perfect attendance. What did you find there? What we found and what we studied is different forms of recognition. Specifically, what we wanted to see is what happens if you announce recognition ex ante in a prospective manner. So you basically say, if you have a perfect month of attendance, you will get this certificate and you see what it will look like and it'll be sent to your home versus you get the recognition by surprise, exposed retrospective recognition for a prior month of perfect attendance. And that was mainly we were thinking and actually even pre-registered that we were wondering which one is going to be more effective and which one will have significant effects. And we find significant effects of one of those. But um, when you look at the way the dependent variable is coded, it actually shows that it backfired. As you said, we find a positive effect, but the positive effect is on increasing absences. And so it comes by surprise. Students get this award that recommends them for their month of perfect attendance. And that seems to have resulted in a licensing effect. So now here I see that I am among a small group of students who have perfect attendance. This does not seem to be the norm or else I wouldn't get an award for it. And it also doesn't appear to be the institution's expectation. I seem to be exceeding expectations as well as the norm. And so that gave students a license to have a bit more slack 
in the subsequent uh, weeks. And so that then actually led to worse attendance scores. So this award, which was well-intentioned, backfired and in fact deteriorated student attendance. I know you're also doing work about gender diversity uh, in, again, the knowledge economy. And I think we don't have a lot of time left, but uh, people, I think, would like to hear about that. Yes, yes. Thank you for for giving me a chance to talk about that as well. In fact, that goes to the point where you said that um, it's interesting to look at different types of awards and also take into account potential heterogeneities in their effects. What we just discussed was about differences in the organizational setting, so to speak. Now, this other, this gender, the interest in diversity, looks at a different form of heterogeneity, which is at the individual level. In some fields that have a strong gender stereotype, a male gender stereotype, such as STEM, it's been shown that women tend to speak up less than men, even when they are present. Our interest was in STEM and specifically in math. And we show that when we are working on math tasks, women are significantly less likely to speak up compared to men. But the gender gap disappears when we look at gender neutral tasks. So it's not something inherent about women, but this is really about the gender stereotype of the field. And then we take this as our starting point, so to say, and study which interventions can we use to close the gender gap in speaking up. And of course, as you may guess, my interest was in recognition again. And what we study here is different forms of recognition varying their publicness. So we have a private award for having had the most correct answers in the previous round, but only you yourself will see it. Your team partner will not be aware of it. That's the private treatment. Then we have a virtual treatment or semi-public where my team partner will also get to see the award, that I got the award, but there is no face-to-face interaction and nothing. It's just, I see it on my screen. I'm aware that my team partner will see it. And then we have the public ceremony treatment where all the recipients are asked to come to the front and we stage an award ceremony, a small one. And we find, in a nutshell, to make it short, that this is the public ceremony treatment that closes the gender gap in who speaks up and contributes their knowledge to the team. Well, I think we all know that rewards and awards are good things, even if they aren't monetary. The benefit to the organization is different depending on how you give out the award. Yes, I talk a lot to managers in organizations because of this field experimental interest, but also just because I learn a lot from these conversations. And a few points that I try to convey when in these discussions are first, there seems to be a little bit of a misconception that you have to add something of scare quotes, economic value for the recognition to be meaningful and to have an effect. And here I say no. In fact, it's not even clear that this is always beneficial. It might even backfire if you add money to the award. So the Wikipedia experiment, and we need more work on this in other contexts, has shown that even symbolic recognition can work and can have significant positive effects. So you don't necessarily have to add that extra gift card or you know check to the recognition. Symbolic recognition can work. And then you have to think very carefully about the different design features, basically the different 
levers that you have. I also have another paper on this with Sandy Campbell, who a PhD student at Berkeley, and Uri Nisi, a professor at UC San Diego, where we talk exactly about those award characteristics. Sometimes it seems to me that managers' decision to add money gives them a license to stop thinking about the other design parameters that there are, which is who is the audience, who should be involved in the decision-making process, what should the award be based on, just to name a few, right? So that's one even purely symbolic awards can work. Don't immediately jump to adding the gift certificate or the, the cash or the check. And the other is there is a distinction between what we call confirmatory awards. They are really, by and large, just reflect what's already visible. Let's say the best salesperson of the month, where it's already clear to everybody. You see it in the numbers who had the highest sales and the award is almost automated. It automatically goes to that person. That is in sharp contrast to what we call discretionary awards, which are based, for example, on public goods contributions to come back to our initial theme on helpfulness within the organization, right? On creativity. But there is some degree of discretion for the manager as to who will get this award. And to me, those discretionary awards are really where awards have the biggest value in, in the form of being a complement to the other established incentives that organizations use, because this is really where they can fill in those gaps where awards can be given for behaviors even without quantifying it, right? Even without precisely saying, oh, you know, the person got the Nobel Prize because they had X number of citations and Y number of publications in these and those journals, right? It's for a comprehensive performance assessment. And so that's really where I see the big value of awards. But oftentimes, the easier step is to just base it on whatever is measurable, and then the award ends up being confirmatory and very much like the other incentives that you have. I would encourage organizations to focus more on the discretionary awards and then to think very carefully about the different attributes of the awards that there are, because awards are much more complex than just a paycheck. There really are things more important than uh, than money. And it's also uh, very interesting to hear uh, how these different kinds of incentives work under different uh, circumstances, and particularly at a time when uh, social distancing is such an issue uh, and the kinds of interrelations that you talk about are so important. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Warren. Professor Jana Galus at the UCLA Anderson School of Management, co-author of Honor Versus Money, The Economics of Awards, as well as a lot of other projects as she has indicated. I'm Orman Alney. This has been UCLA Anderson's podcast, How the World Works. Join us again. Thank you.